What's up, friends? It's Haley Hines, a.k.a. Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. And we're back with episode four of Give Them the Bird. I really wanted to start this episode out by saying one month later, like a little Spongebob reference because holy cannoli, it has been an entire month since I put out episode three. Life just kind of got the best of me and I had to reprioritize some things and the old podcast took a back seat, but here we are, number four. In the last episode, number three, we talked about why diets don't work and um, the harm that they can create, both to our bodies and our minds. If you have not had the chance to listen to episode episode three, go freaking listen to it now before moving on to this episode. It really kind of lays the foundation for what we're going to be talking about today. Um, if you did listen to the episode, then you know that towards the end of it, I encourage you to take some time to notice how the diet industry shows up in your own life. So today we're going to chat about the importance of ditching these diet products and services, if that is something that you are ready to do, or potentially just reframing the way we use them. Now, some people are probably thinking like, no, you do not need to keep those products or services or whatever in your life. Burn those diet industry things that are connected to you to the ground. But I personally think what's more important than what products you're using that is what your motivation for using them is. So know that even if you aren't quite, quite ready to say goodbye to certain products, services, or programs you're using, there is still ways that you can distance yourself from the diet industry. I also think it's important to note that you can have a healthy relationship with your food, mind, body, and exercise, and still use these products. And we're going to talk about that today. I do want to start out by saying that this concept of distancing yourself from the diet industry is not mine. It comes from principle number one of intuitive eating, which is ditch the diet mentality. If you're not familiar with intuitive eating, it's an approach that teaches you how to create a healthy relationship with your mind, body, food, and movement. It was created in 95 by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who are two dietitians who basically were fed up with their clients feeling like failures every time they regained the weight they lost on a diet plan. They noticed the emotional turmoil it created. They noticed how harmful it was for their bodies. So they created intuitive eating and have helped literally millions of people regain the trust in their bodies, myself included. And this whole idea of really ditching the diet mentality and just the idea that diets don't work, it actually started before 1995, but intuitive eating is what really took off and made this information mainstream. Talking about intuitive eating deserves an entire episode, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I encourage you to check out the intuitive eating website. Um, I'll list it in the show notes. So check it out if you want more information. Okay, so let's rewind a little bit. End of episode three, I encourage you to notice how the diet industry shows up in your life. Um, some examples of this. Maybe you realized you typically buy like certain diety type foods or you meticulously track your calories or steps. 
Um, maybe you realize how often you use the scale in your bathroom or how often your favorite influencers on Instagram talk about fat blasting hit workouts. <laughs> Whatever it is that you noticed, know this. These things are all tools of the diet industry. They are diet tools. Even if your personal intention in using them is not to lose weight or to feel like shit about yourself or your body, they are still diet tools. They all still prey on our insecurities, on our bodies to make a buck. That's just fact. Okay, but let's talk a little bit more about what diet tools are. Diet tools are basically any external force we rely on to tell us how much to eat, how often to eat, what to eat, what not to eat, etc. They are also external forces we rely on to tell us how successful we are with our health and wellness or a diet. So for example, again, thinking about like a calorie counting app, we rely on it to tell us how much to eat and when to eat. We can only have so many calories and we have to spread them out throughout the day so that we don't eat them all too soon and we are left at 4 p.m. thinking about how hungry we are because we can't eat anymore, but we're still going to be up for five more hours. That, side note, sounds like a nightmare to me. I was once on a plane for four and a half hours, and they didn't serve snacks, and I didn't fill up my satchel with snacks beforehand. Just the thought of not having food terrifies me. I don't know. So does the dark, but I'm not going to talk about that here. Okay, so if we are relying on the app to tell us, the calorie counting app to tell us all these things, we're basically relying on it to regulate our eating for us instead of listening to our bodies to tell us when we're hungry, what we're hungry for, how much to eat, when to eat. That's problematic because our bodies are smart machines. If we learn to tune in and listen to them, they can tell us a shit ton about, about shit. shit. They can tell us a shit ton about shit. I'm going to say that. <laughs> they can literally tell us so much about how things are going for us. They tell us all about the food that we need, how much we need, all that. They tell us when we need to move. They tell us when we need to take a break, when we need to de-stress. And it, when we rely on external cues from apps or meal plans or whatever it might be, we totally ignore our body's cues and eventually become numb to them. Like we literally lose the ability to know when we're hungry, when we're full, when we're stressed, all those things. So to give you a non-diet example of this um, that I've experienced in my life, this was back in 2016 when I was working for the same place that I work for now, but I was in a totally different role, and it just really was not a good fit for me. Um, this was also before I found therapy and was diagnosed with anxiety. Um, so I have anxiety, and I treat my anxiety, and I still run around like a chicken with my head cut off. So just imagine if you didn't know me back in 2016, how bad I was before I had any sort of help. <laughs> it was bad. But yeah, circa 2016, I worked like over 40 hours. I made a little entry level salary that barely covered the cost of my rent. Um, it was one of my first jobs as a new grad. So I really felt the need to prove myself to, you know, all the people. So that meant I worked through my lunches, I stayed late, I drank way too freaking much coffee and way too freaking little water because filling up my water bottle meant taking a break and breaks are not for hustlers and I was a hustler. Mm. Anywho, at my breaking point, I was using a paper cutter. No good story ever starts with a paper cutter. <laughs> like, none of them. Never heard a good story that started with a paper cutter. But literally a paper cutter, like one of those terrifying medieval contraption looking things the big ones like they make that noise 
That's exactly what it sounds like. And I had left the blade up. Stupid. I know. Rookie mistake. So imagine I'm sitting at this L-shaped desk. On one edge of the L is this paper cutter with the blade up. And if I turn to my right, I'm facing my computer. So leaving the blade up, left her up, turned right to spin around and face my computer. And I hit my pinky on the blade. Gory details ahead. Really not that gory, but like I'm not a big fan of blood. So gory to me. Unbeknownst to me, I had sliced my pinky open. Yep. And the worst part was I literally only knew that I hurt myself when I saw the drops of blood on my desk. The blood was on the desk, the floor, the paper cutter might have gotten on my black pants. I don't really know. I didn't even feel the deep cut or the blood oozing from my hand. Um, and it wasn't like a paper cut. My boss ended up having to drive me to get stitches. She's a saint. She's still my boss. And I got really lightheaded and almost passed out. Not only because I don't really like blood, but you guessed it. I'd worked through my lunch that day and barely ate just a little bit of quinoa salad. So the point of this story is that I was so stressed out and out of touch with my body that I didn't even feel the cut on my hand. Instead of relying on my body to tell me when to take a break, I was relying on other things, external things like my to-do list, like the opinions of others, which were totally perceived opinions, by the way. No one expected me to work myself to the bone. Literally get it to the bone. Like I cut my finger. Wasn't all the way to the bone, but yeah. Anywho, so the same can be said when we rely on diet tools. Instead of relying on our bodies to tell us when we're hungry, when we need to eat, we rely on a, on a device. So when I learned about this, this concept of like listening to your body and tuning inward, listening to your internal cues, um, etc., intuitive eating really only talks about um, how diet tools silence our hunger cues, which makes sense because intuitive eating, eating, right? I think that relying on external cues, it also diminishes our ability to regulate our own movement. I mean, think about it. Instead of moving when we want to, how we want to, for however long we want to, we rely on a device to tell us these things. So maybe it's your Fitbit, which I'm looking at my Fitbit right now, honeys. I got one too. My Fitbit telling me to get up and move once every hour. I'm not moving once every hour because it's like I'm listening to my internal body. You know, I'm not listening to my body saying like, ding, 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 you have tight hips, get up and walk. No, I'm literally doing it because I feel a vibration from a device. Um, or think about if you follow certain, um, any fitness plan really, whether it's weight loss related or not, it could even be like a strength program. We literally rely on the program to tell us what to do. And if we are out of tune with our body and also if we are so focused on a specific outcome, whether that's looking a certain way or performing a certain way, we will not listen to our bodies and we'll push through the soreness. We'll push through the cues that our body's telling us to like, hey, take a rest day or go light today, whatever it is. We silence those cues. We don't listen to them. And we just stick to following the device on our wrist, in our hand, whatever it is. And I totally think it's okay to use tools like these. I'm not trying to say that it's not okay. Because, like, again, I got a Fitbit on my wrist. Um, I follow a strength program. Totally fine. But what I'm saying is that meal plans and fitness plans and fitness watches and food tracking apps, they shouldn't take the place of our own internal cues. Those programs... They might be 
personalized, but they are not as personalized as your own body. (laughs) But when it comes to these tools, I like to think that I take a more neutral approach. I never expect someone to throw out their Fitbit or stop following a workout plan that they paid for. I mean, that's just wasteful. But I do think it can be helpful to step back and evaluate why we're using these tools. If we're using these tools solely to lose weight or to change the size and shape of our bodies, we got some work to do. I touched on it briefly in episode three, and it definitely is another topic that might deserve its own episode, but if our sole goal is related to our body size, or if it's the main driving force behind making a behavior change, this goal is less likely to be sustainable, the process of achieving the goal is less likely to be enjoyable, the goal is most likely deeply rooted in diet culture, and we are less likely to be successful. And I'm putting successful in quotes because success in this case equals weight loss, And there are so many freaking factors that determine the number on the scale to the point where if we are using the scale as our main way to measure progress, we are straight up setting ourselves up for failure. So let's talk about weight for a second. First off, I think many people determine their healthy body weight based on BMI or body mass index, which is just a hunk of junk. It tells us that based on our height, we should be this weight, but our body weight is made up of way more than just fat. We got some fat, we got some muscle, we've got organs, we got a heck ton of water, and BMI cannot discern between those components. I like to use the example of a relatively short female power lifter. She's short, but built like a brick house because she moves massive amounts of weight when she lifts, so she's got a ton of muscle and her weight is going to be higher because of that. So BMI is going to tell her that she's overweight and therefore unhealthy, but we know that's not the case. Imagine, though, if she wanted to continue competing in powerlifting, but also listen to her physicians concerned about her BMI. She would likely have to drop some muscle mass in order to get there, and therefore have to put her competitive powerlifting kind of on the back burner, because her performance is going to decrease if her strength decreases. Now, I think it's important to note that not everybody is a short female powerlifter that has an excessive amount of muscle on their body, right? Some folks do have more body fat than muscle and could potentially see a decrease in certain chronic diseases if they did reduce some of that body fat. But again, BMI just is not a good indicator of health and it definitely isn't a good way to determine ideal body weight. Another common way I've seen people determine their healthy body weight is by basing it off of where they were at a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And the bottom line is changes have happened in your life from then until now. It is not always realistic to expect your body to return to the size it was before you experienced all these things. Potential hardships, losing loved ones, changing jobs, moving, whatever has happened since that point when you were at your ideal body weight, it's just not realistic to expect your body to return to that size. I think it can be helpful to reflect on the changes that have happened in your life to see if there is a way you can get back to the same healthy behaviors you were doing emphasis on behaviors. I'm not saying the same healthy weight, but the same healthy behaviors. But expecting yourself to return to a previous version of yourself physically, so return to the previous body weight that you had, it's just lacking in self-compassion and it can be extremely harmful. Okay, so let's say though that you're not basing your goal weight off of BMI or what your weight was a year ago. Is it then okay to use weight as a measure of success? My answer, no. Our weight is so variable, you guys. It fluctuates based on how much sleep we've got, how much stress we have, our hydration levels, our workouts, our food choices. 
For females, it fluctuates based on our time of the month, whether you get a monthly period or not. There are so many factors. And I see people post pictures of, you know, the new programs that they're doing and how in the first week they've dropped X amount of weight. And I honestly just kind of cringe a little bit, not at them or at the program, but just the idea that we think the way we do. (laughs) The change in their weight isn't necessarily a result of the program they're doing, whether it's a fitness or nutrition program. It could be that Sunday night they ate a salty meal and then Monday morning when their program starts, they weigh themselves and then they base that as their starting weight. But really that starting weight was probably a little bit higher than what they normally would be because they're retaining water because it's a salty meal, right? So then the week goes on and by Friday or whatever it is, they weigh themselves again and their weight looks lower. But during the week, they were probably drinking more water. They were eating more fruits and vegetables, less salty foods. They were moving more, which are all beautiful things. And so they attribute the drop in the weight to the program But really, it's just because they've lost some of the water weight throughout the week, right? So yes, celebrate the fact that you're moving more, drinking more water, giving your body more nutrients, but maybe reconsider placing all your celebration in your weight change because it's just natural weight fluctuations. More about sustainable goal setting in a future episode, but just know that if you're using diet tools as a way to meet a goal weight, that could be harmful. If you're using these diet tools, again, say a Fitbit, a workout plan, a food tracker, etc., as a way to achieve a different goal regardless of weight loss, like maybe improving your sleep and self-confidence or managing high blood pressure or another chronic disease, or maybe just improving your quality of life, then you are much better off. And it may not seem like that much of a difference because yes, some people will see weight loss as a result of improving their sleep or managing their chronic condition, but the measure of success does matter and you will feel different if you're not using weight as your only measurement of success. So say you're not really using these devices or programs, etc., as diet tools, meaning you're not trying to lose weight by using them. How can you go about keeping them, especially if you've paid decent money for them or you're just not ready to get rid of them yet, and still distance yourself from the diet industry? It's pretty simple. Just rely on them less and pay attention to your body more. For example, are you getting ready to work out? Ask yourself what you really feel like doing. Maybe it's the program to work out for the day or maybe it's something totally different. If it's something different, do that and be okay with it, which I know is much easier said than done, by the way. If you're getting ready to eat, ask yourself what you really feel like eating. Maybe it's the exact meal that the plan has listed, or maybe it's something totally different. If it's something totally different, eat that. (laughs) Maybe it's 9 p.m. and you've met your macro or calorie goal for the day, but your dang stomach is growling. Try eating something instead of just chugging water and hoping you fall asleep before you die of starvation. (laughs) I promise you that veering a little bit from the tool, the program, the app, whatever it is, it's not going to impede upon your progress or your goals that much, if at all. It's going to help in the long run. It's going to help you maintain a healthy relationship with food and your body and movement. It's going to decrease unnecessary stress that you place on yourself to be perfect and rigid And especially if you find yourself forgoing social activities to stay on track with your meal plan or your movement plan or whatever it is, you won't have to do that. And honeys, who doesn't want to spend more time with the people they love? So again, if you're not somebody that's using these tools as a way to lose weight, try it out. 
try out just listening to your body instead of just going along with what the plan is. Again, it's not going to hurt. It's only going to bring you happiness, hopefully. (laughs) If you are somebody that uses these tools, uses these devices as a way to lose weight, really, really, really reconsider your why. Reconsider, is it truly the weight that matters or are there different ways that you can measure your progress that have nothing to do with weight? And I've said it before and I will say it again and again and again. This is all so much easier said than done. I know that from my own experience. It took me years to wake up to the idea that my body was smarter than my fitness pal. And it will likely take me even more years before the thought of using a diet tool stops crossing my mind. Yes. I still think about using these tools and sometimes I give into it and then I catch myself and I remind myself that I'm smart and I preach about not using this shit all the time so I probably don't need to use it. (laughs) Bottom line, start to tune inward a little bit more. Start to listen to the cues that your body is giving you. Pay attention to the physical sensations in your body. Pay attention to the thoughts going through your head when you go to track something. Pay attention to how it feels when you honor your inner cues over a device, over a plan, over an app. And if you are working towards weight loss specific goals and you are using the scale as a way to track your progress, please, for the love of all things good in the world, trust me when I say you are way better off without that thing. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Given the Bird. I am seriously so appreciative that so many people want to listen to it and reach out to me and let me know how it's impacting them and helping them. I hope that there were some nuggets in here that you can pick up and either use for yourself or for somebody that you know and love and want to squeeze all the time and make their lives so much better. As always, if you have any questions or comments, concerns, or just want to talk through any of this shit, please feel free to send me a message on Instagram. You can find me at Haley Ella Hines, or you can find the podcast profile at Give Him the Bird. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Have a beautiful day.